Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, and today we're going to talk about five things that don't matter. Uh, and, and I'll try not to be too polarizing here, but I, I think it's a good exercise to kind of reevaluate some of the traditional things that record labels do. And if you're starting out a record label and you're thinking, should I be doing this? Uh, is this the first thing I should be doing? That's what I want to challenge today. Um, before we move on, I just want to let you know that uh, depending on when you're listening to this, a week from now will be the fifth birthday of other record labels. How exciting is that for the podcast, which is really cool. Thank you for listening all these years uh, or wherever you joined on. I wanted to ask a quick favor. I know there's not much time, but if you wanted to give a little shout out to your own label on next week's episode, just grab your phone, record a little voice message and say your name and, and your label and where you're from, where you listen from. And uh, I'll share that on the show. Just email me uh, at podcast at otherrecordlabels.com. You can DM me the file on, on social media or however you want me to, to hear it. You don't have to record it perfectly. Just make it five to 10 seconds on your phone or whatever. And uh, I'll put them at the start of the show next week. I think that would be really meaningful. So if you can do that, I'd really appreciate it. Before I dive into these five topics, let me be very clear. There are always exceptions to these rules, and these episodes I create like this are meant to be inspiring and thought-provoking. They're not meant to be taken at face value uh, or as a blanket statement. You might be listening to something and going, okay, but hold on, I, I do what you're telling me not to do, and I'm making tons of money, or I'm being really successful. Though That's beautiful, and that's what I love. Um, I, I've said it a million times that success is made up of hundreds and thousands of decisions, what to do, what not to do, what to do later. So while I want to highlight five things that I think record label owners focus too heavily on, that doesn't mean that they don't have some relevance to, to some of us or to all of us, um, uh, or a, a lot of relevance to a few of us. I, I just I want to get that on the open. I don't want this to be like, I don't want anything that I say to be taken as uh, as the Bible truth on anything. Okay, number one um, thing that I think doesn't matter for record labels, or certainly matters way less than it did before, and arguably, if at all, is vanity metrics. Vanity metrics. Vanity metrics are superficial measures that give the illusion of progress without providing any meaningful insights. Examples would be um, things like likes on social media and shares and follower counts. Uh, while they may look impressive on the surface, they don't necessarily translate to business success or bottom line impact. Not every graph on your analytics page is a vanity metric, let me be clear. Some are more directly connected to growth and revenue, especially in e-commerce or on YouTube or on Spotify. Instead, I'm talking about dopamine metrics, the ones you refresh every couple of minutes. There's two reasons why vanity metrics are a problem. Number one, they're a distraction. Small businesses should not get too caught up in these numbers as they often distract from more meaningful metrics like sales. You'll hear this refrain a lot in this episode. These things that are shiny and traditional and come with peer pressure, they end up distracting you from things that do matter. Um, maybe it's because it's easier to get a follower than it is to get a dollar. 
The total amount of subscribers is a vanity metric. The open rate and the click-through rate, uh, on the other hand, is a metric that does matter. Your friends sharing an Instagram story of your new album on release day is a vanity metric, but the total number of streams that you end up getting on Spotify that day is a number that actually does matter. The other um, negative side of vanity metrics is twofold. They create this false sense of success and at the same time, a false sense of failure. Another way to put it is they, they create a false sense of productivity and uh, or a false sense of failure to connect with an audience. So what I mean by this is that you might be spending your morning doing social media or, you know, uh, chasing after these vanity metrics and you might think, wow, that was a really productive morning. And when in reality, you haven't really done anything super hard and our bank account isn't changing or the things that actually matter in the long term aren't changing. Now, I'm not against planting seeds. I'll give that caveat in a, in a moment. Um, but I just think that uh, vanity metrics are dangerous because it's like, oh, look at the followers I got this week. And it kind of gives us this false sense of accomplishment or this false sense of productivity. On the other hand, it gives us this, when we don't get those numbers, it gives us this false sense of failure um, where we think, oh man, my Instagram isn't growing or people aren't clicking on my things anymore. And that may not, may, may, ha- may not have to do with your artist or your music or your label. That could be algorithm-based. That could be the, the fact that people are shifting to different types of platforms, different types of content on platforms. And at the same time, your band camp might be doing just fine. Or there are people out there that you can see daily on Spotify who listen to your music. And so now all of a sudden we've given ourselves this marker of failure because our our vanity metrics aren't keeping up or aren't going to where we want them to go. So that's just something to keep in mind. The solution with vanity metrics is to not give them any weight either way. Don't put your hopes in them, but don't let yourself be brought down by them either. The object, The objective, this is my objective of social media, and by the way, I'm going to do a big episode on social media soon. It came requested by one of our listeners, and I I think I have something we can talk about. The objective of social media is to show up and to use it as one of the many touch points. But that's it. It's one of the many, many touch points. Okay, number two, name dropping. I don't really see this anymore, which is great. You do see it in the recording space. Uh, I remember one time someone told me that their new album was being mastered by the same guy who mastered a couple of really big indie releases, as if the general public is going to recognize some famous guy's leveling techniques. Or someone would say, like, this is the same mic model that the Beatles would use. Or you can actually, this is true, you can actually pay to have your music mastered nowadays at Abbey Road, which I'm sure is a fun, I'm sure it sounds great, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm and, and it's probably a fun way to spice up your liner notes for fans to open it up and go, wow, this was mastered at Abbey Road. That's kind of cool. Um, I always thought it'd be kind of fun to like sneak around the back and like quickly record a, you know, a little drum machine loop or something in the, in the back garbage alley of Abbey Road. And then you could technically say your album was recorded at Abbey Road. I don't know. I've thought about that one time. Um, okay. So let me clarify. I like name dropping. There's a time and a place. I do it a lot. I do it if it helps my brand. Uh, 
if it helps me get in with someone else. For example, when I approach guests for this podcast, I name drop other labels who they would uh, that they would recognize and respect who have been on the show or other people as a way to kind of help them gauge how serious I am or how credible I am. There's having this um, featured artist on your album that looks cool. There's a there's a way to tag another artist on Spotify so that you both inflate each other's monthly listeners. Um, there's name dropping in the network and community context that I think makes a lot of sense. I know that when we have great guests on the show, they will then take this show and promote it to their following. So that's kind of different from what I'm referring to here. So there is a form of name dropping that I think makes sense, but there's two problems with name dropping that especially like in, in press pitches and stuff. Number one is it can be tacky. There are undoubtedly times when I appreciate name dropping because I can quickly attach some sort of credibility or context to someone I'm meeting with, especially if we have mutual friends or they've worked with someone I've worked with. That's a big you know entry point. But when it's done poorly or out of context, then it sometimes comes off as compensating for what they lack, like it's a bait and switch, or that it comes off as an insecurity. Um, and that can work, uh, that's, you know, showing like the work can't stand on its own. So they need to have this name drop to kind of distract you. Not always the case, but something to think about. Number two, avoid paying for name dropping or paying for association. There are some people out there that know that their name and their credentials is worth something and that younger, uh, unassuming artists may think that they can latch on to someone else's trajectory if they follow the same steps they took. I don't want to go down this road any further because I'm not calling anyone out. Seriously, I'm not, I, I have no one in mind. And I'm not actually, um, not necessarily saying that this is an entirely bad practice. I'm just encouraging you to make wise decisions with your money. And when you hire someone, famous or not, that you have a clear income path for that investment, a strategy that isn't relying on hope, a hope that maybe they'll love the music and want to promote it for free or show it to their bosses, that's not a strategy. So here's a tip. Instead of name-dropping industry folks or big names, unless it makes a ton of sense, start name-dropping yourself and what drives you what you're, what you're passionate about. Tell a story about this artist you're pitching and why you're, uh, why you're fanatic for their music. Okay, number three. This is a spooky one here. Number three is being legit or being an official label. This is something, this is a really sticky topic and I don't want to get too polarized here and I don't want to give any financial or legal advice because I'm just an idiot musician, so don't trust me. But I'll say this, I get an email, man, three to four emails a day from folks from all over the world who want to start a record label and so many of them tell me that they've secured their domain, registered their business and are filing for a trademark and now they want to know what to do next. And again... There's an element of readiness in that that I can respect. I just think that there's a tradition that's being blindly followed maybe without much thought. Like when a new business would start off back in the pre-internet days, businesses would just print like a thousand business cards. That was your way of saying, hello, I'm, an, I'm a business now. <laughs> you know, registering your business your website, trademark, it's costly. 
And it might just be the cart before the horse. I'm not saying that for sure. And again, don't take advice from me, but there's a lot more things you need to research to check the viability of your business idea. I think registering makes people feel legit, which isn't a bad thing. I believe in taking big leaps as a way to hold yourself accountable and to force you to follow through on this entrepreneurial seizure. Here's my issue with people who rush into registering your business and doing all the legal things in one day. Two things. Number one, every trademark company will take your money. Every lawyer or accountant will be glad to walk you through the process of registering and getting set up. That's their job. There's always companies who will take your money without measuring the true viability of your idea. So the only one who has their eyes on the road is you. Number two, I think registering your business might just be a distraction from some of the harder things you need to figure out when getting started. Things we've talked about recently, like finding your niche, identifying your unfair advantage, networking with industry peers, studying other record labels in your space that you admire. It's actually easy to register a business, file paperwork, buy a domain, or open a bank account. There's people there ready to hold your hand. That's why I'm suggesting that it might just make you feel productive when in reality, there's some harder jobs that may need to be tackled first. Why does the world need another record label? I think they do, but why? What's your unique offering, your leg up in this industry? Remember your unfair advantage from last week? What will bring listeners to us? What do you have that they value? These are really tough questions. In fact, if I had to spend Monday morning either calling up a lawyer, paying them a couple hundred bucks to register my business, calling up my local state or province and registering my business, opening a bank account, that stuff's kind of fun. And all those people are, are going to be glad to help me. As opposed to answering these tough questions, what's my unique offering? What's my niche? What's our genre? Are we going to have a genre? What are we doing to bring value in this space? What are we doing? How are we identifying our record label in such a way that other people who value that identity will want to cling to us and support us? Those are tough questions. So my only challenge here is I have nothing wrong with being legit and registering your company and hiring a lawyer and doing all that stuff. I'm just challenging you to take it slow and to, at the same time that you're doing that, or perhaps before, answer some of these tough questions. Okay, moving on. Number four, press coverage. This is a complicated one, so let me summarize it with this. What I think is most important for your record label for any business is to reverse engineer where your income comes from. Is it donations? We see labels out there right now who are operating as charities, and they are supporting a very meaningful cause. And people are just outright donating to these people, uh, expecting nothing in return. And that's a beautiful thing. For you, is it live events? I was talking with a label last week, and they are killing it by selling records as a retailer. Not just their own releases, but primarily releases from other labels and rare imports. This is a label that is just following the money. 
Of course, they could be pitching their own releases harder to magazines and college radio or whatever, but right now, the money is coming from their online store. My point is, and my point with this whole entire episode is, don't assume the traditional ways of getting attention is where you should be putting your attention. Let me say that again. Don't assume the traditional ways of getting attention is where you should be putting your attention. What moves the needle the most for your record label? Is it streams on Spotify? Great. Is it vinyl on Bandcamp? Is it tapes through your limited run store? Is it merch at shows with the bands? Is it licensing on film and TV? I've, I've had labels of all that fit into all these categories on the show in the past year. Identify that one thing and trace it backwards. The source of what brings you your main thing should be your main thing. So if that is press and and if that is chatter on Twitter or a, a great publicist who's doing a great job in their genre, great. That should be your target. For my own music, I, I stopped caring about press. I got too discouraged by it. The psychological impact of, of rejection outweighed any times I did get covered. And I realized that I was, I, I looked back at my stats and I realized that I was making 80% of my revenue through streaming. And this is just for me. I know that it doesn't apply to, to everyone. And especially, specifically, UGPs, which are user-generated playlists. So I focused solely on pitching to people who had decent-sized genre-relevant playlists that were somewhat approachable. That was my strategy. I didn't go after, I stopped sending my record, mailing a CD to Pitchfork. I stopped doing that because that wasn't doing anything. And I started focusing on things that were actually doing things. Another caveat in this space about press, in a perfect world with unlimited resources, with unlimited humans in my office, I would do it all. But that's not the reality for a lot of us, and that's why this episode exists, where we kind of have to re-engineer things and pick and choose so we don't get burned out, and so we really just focus on the things that energize us and, um, and that help us be sustainable. Number five, and finally, and this is going to be controversial here, quality. I think <laughs> quality doesn't matter. Now, don't snip out that soundbite and make it go viral and ruin my career. I just recorded an episode with someone uh, last week, and you'll hear it in, a, in, a, in next month or so. And we were joking about the difference between quality and quantity and what is more important. In our culture today, at the time of recording this, there's this constant demand for quantity of content, more so than quality of content. If you have both, that's great. But social media is demanding quantity over quality. But that's not why I think quantity is more important than quality. It has really nothing to do with social media. I think it's more important. I think that quantity is more important for two reasons. Number one, quantity means your artists and you as a label owner are being prolific, which means you're working, which means you're not being distracted, which means you're being a creator or you're being an artist. Congratulations. Read the book, The War of Art. It will change your life. And look at someone who is always 
putting out stuff, songs, EPs, demos, collabs, painting, sculptures, that's because they've probably read that book. Should you call yourself a songwriter if you haven't written a song in the past month or in the past year? Number two, quality can't exist without quantity. Quality can't exist without quantity. You have to produce and release and set new bars, set new personal bests. Perfection is the enemy of progress. I think quality is thought too highly of. It's quantity that is more important because quality is the natural byproduct of quantity. Ask a, a gym trainer, what's more important, big muscles or doing reps? If you looked at me, you'd realize I have neither. There's a lot in, in this episode. And as always, um, I'll put the notes on our website and in this week's newsletter. That will give you some time to meditate on these categories and figure out how and if they apply to you and your label. As always, these episodes are meant to provide you with a change in perspective or to challenge your perspective. The goal is that you get closer to doing less of what's not working and more of what is. To focus on things that energize you as an individual, and if you have a team, great, energize your team, and to ignore the things that don't really matter. And that's what this whole episode is about. We talked about vanity metrics, and so I really want you to go back over and evaluate some of these vanity metrics, or at the very least, evaluate the weight that you put into these vanity metrics. Name dropping and, and being careful and intentional with why we're doing that, and if we really can um, identify how uh, investing in, in someone with a name is going to benefit our artist or our label. Number three, being legit that that um, that problem where we feel like we're being productive, but we might just be procrastinating with some of the harder questions about the why we should start a, a label. How is much easier than why. Number four is press coverage, challenging some of the traditional um, ways that you reach out with press and instead looking at the revenue and the streams and the sales that you're artists and labels are getting today and reverse engineering that and finding out where that comes from. And then quality, challenging the idea of quality and, and considering that maybe quality is a byproduct of quantity. I hope you found this helpful. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can send me a message if this has sparked any thoughts or ideas or questions that you'd like to share. My inbox is always open. Uh, lately, I've been taking a little bit longer to respond. Um, I'm just, I just get a little bit overwhelmed, but I still, when they come in, I read them instantly and they're, I find them very uplifting and inspiring and super helpful. So my email is podcast at other I always love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening.